0: Today on the show we have Robbie Singh, founder and chairman of the snakesoup.org, one of the largest and oldest Hideo Kojima fan sites still running since 2003, and the person behind the new book Why We Should Not Stop at Just Remaking MGS, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and wherever else you buy books. Hey, I'm Fingers.
1: Hey everyone, this is Days
2: Ahead, and I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. Well, they're gonna bring E3 back, but as like a a digital event now, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not the
3: same. I mean, I will say this in terms of like E3 itself. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the best approach going forward. I know they've had problems before. You know they. They have like issues with you know, I don't know turning profit. I don't know what their issues are, but they they apparently have I mean, issues.
2: E three was dying before COVID. Right,
3: right, exactly. So it's like you know maybe like this sort of thing is better. I don't know, but in terms of like an experience, in terms of like a convention, even like if it's like strictly business and press, uh, it's not the same. Because you know what, I've I've done, I've done these virtual events because you know there's. I can't blame them, right? They're not going to be like, well, uh, fuck it, we're we're doing this in Florida. It's like, nobody's going to be like, <laughs> like, some people go, but like, I wouldn't, right? So it's like, I, I totally get it, but it's like not the same, you know? They, they, they always have these, like, contrived, like, networking things and, and, like, everything, every event has their own, like, app. You know, some of them use more conventional yeah. apps, like, oh, yeah, we, we're doing it on Zoom. And then some other people they have something called HopIn. Uh, there's like there's like a million different apps. They they all have completely different user interfaces. So you know, I, you know, one minute I'm just like, oh Zoom, yeah, I know everything about Zoom. And then the next I like feel like a damn boomer, like trying to just like you know, and it's like and it's like an event for students. So like I feel like an asshole, like this like students just like s- s- sitting there awkward. I'm like, uh, how do I send my email address? Fuck, I don't know could you hear me now uh. <laughs> so yeah it's it, it's not the same but you know i don't I don't blame them and uh, i i think it'll be better for the fans i think one pain point for gamers when they came to e3 was just like it's like how do you get in and it's either you're in the industry or you just have a fucking friend who's in the industry who's gonna hook you up
2: right but then they like opened it up to everybody oh, yeah, and made yeah. it a public event and like it immediately sucked.
3: <laughs> I remember that actually. But you know what? The reason why it does suck is because it's just like there's too many fucking people now. Um Yeah, it's yeah, just packs,
0: basically. The lines for like anything are just like impossible. I-, I went in uh 2018 and it was just like, ugh, this sucks. I don't want to like wait for any of this shit. Because it was like three hours like to play like one demo.
3: I remember going to Comic-Con when it wasn't that big of a deal um i don't know what i think twilight might have been what turned comic-con into a huge fucking deal i i forget but there's like a certain point where comic that
2: would surprise me
3: comic-con was just like comics you know sci-fi shit whatever um it was like a big deal for that so you know it was it was packed there was a lot of people but it wasn't it wasn't too many crowds there wasn't Like lines could get long for certain things, but they wouldn't be too long.
2: It was like when it became a big corporate thing, like when all the studios were like, "Okay, we have to have a presence at Comic-Con. Like that's Mm -hmm. when it exploded.
3: Yeah. And I've been to one since then. And it was just like it was just kind of like a you go in, you like walk around and then you're just like, man, I'm just going to hang out in San Diego. And then I just hang, hung out Tampa. It, it, <laughs> yeah. it just was not worth, um, you know, I didn't pay for the tickets either. I might, you know, I might've been like, like standing in line frustrated, but Hey, I paid for these tickets, but like, it, it just, it's not worth it. it. It's the same thing with, you know, even a theme park. Um, you know, I, I lived close enough to Disneyland where I, I was a annual pa- pass holder. They, you know, they called us ass holders or, something like that. Pass holds that. That's what they called us because a lot of people, honestly, they act all entitled. They, they treat the staff like shit. I wasn't one of them. I, at least I hope I wasn't, but I, I had a pass because it was one of those things you can just drive down there, take an hour at most. And one of the things that was awesome about having a pass was if you went down and it was just packed, you are just kind of like, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I don't, I don't need, I don't need to do yeah. Disneyland today. Um, Whereas, like, I remember, like, as a kid, you know, it was just like, A, like, my parents were, like, you know, working their asses off. So we rarely did anything like this. So a Disneyland trip was, like, special. But two, it's like, once you're there, you bought the ticket, like, what are you going to do? Ask for a refund? Oh, there's too many people here. We're going to. Yeah, you're (laughs) stuck. No, we were fucking stuck. And it just, like, those lines could be just, like, painful, just, like, agonizing.
2: A good trip is like, we'll get five or six rides in before we have to leave because they're closing.
3: Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, you know, the, the, the good thing with E3 going digital is that, you know, l- let's be real. What most gamers want is just the ability to see the trailers, to see uh, the presentations. And making digital, it's like, well, there you go. That's it. I guess. I know, I know the demos are another thing, but it's just kind of like... I don't know. I mean, how are they going to approach that digitally, actually? Are they going to just release them? (laughs) Distribute the demos? I
2: think, like, part (laughs) of it was just the exclusivity of it all, too, you know? Like, not everybody
3: could get in. Damn, dude, it's like a blue check mark. Like, that made it appealing. I'm
1: I'm very sad that we are at the point, culturally, with demos, that you guys asked the question, how will they handle the demo situation?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Release them. (laughs)
1: well i mean they- <laughs> like we've gone from like shareware to pizza hut demo disc to oh my god this shit is online with people who have very high speed connections how the fuck are they going to do the demo situation <laughs> no, that's what early
2: access is they found a way to charge us for demos
1: <laughs> oh
3: god seeing that that is such a smart approach uh, smart in a shitty way right but because part of the problem with E3 demos was more often than not, they were just kind of like, hey, we want you to play this so you know what's coming up, but this is this is a piece of shit right now. We haven't finished it. <laughs> There's like so many issues. And, you know, it's like sometimes they make you sign a thing, and it's fine. You know, you're part of the press. You're supposed to be good about it. You're just like, yeah, we pray it, played it. You know, it's promising. Uh, whereas, you know, if you just put it up on PSN, now everybody's playing. they are like, wow. This is shit. I'm not. I don't give a. I'm not playing this at all ever. Yeah,
0: that's a good point.
1: It's commodified, if you will, the experience. The first
2: year I went to E3, there was a a demo for a Shin Megami Tensei game. Um, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was like Devil Summoner two or something. I don't. I don't remember. But um, they had a booth set up at you know like Atlas's area, and I went up and started playing it. And uh, like one of the people managing the area came up to me and was just like talking about the game and we were chatting about it and they're like, oh, yeah, you can do this and this. And, you know, we're building all these features. And then like somebody who was very clearly above them walked up and was watching for a second and kind of had this look in their eye like they're suspicious and they lean over and look at my badge and like my badge says like my f- like the fan site association at times like the Metal Gear fan site. Right. Right. And they, like, pull the guy over and whisper into their ear. And then the guy comes back over and is like, you know, yeah, you're you're going to have to leave now. What the fuck? Because <laughs> I'm not, like, real press. I'm, like, some just Metal Gear fan site dude. <laughs> Man, that's, that's... So I got shushed away. Did
1: you ever hear about that game again? Yeah, I own it. <laughs> it's a good game. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's where what you were saying earlier, Days Ahead, about, you know... When you think about the 80s, the 90s, it was just, you know, there was still corporations, obviously, but so much of gaming was just kind of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, think of Doom, right? Yeah, we got the first 10 levels. Just download them. Fucking give them to your grandma. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Shareware, man. If you want the rest of the levels, you, you pay, but it's fine. And you, you you try them out. You're like, oh, whoa, this is great. You know, you pay for the rest. And I know, I know game development has gotten significantly more complicated for uh you know some of these higher-ended games, right? So I I get that. But there's there's kind of like a culture shift where, you know, now it's just kind of like everything there's like so much fear. Um there's there's a reluctance to kind of make a bet. Um which is sad because you know if you if you make a bet, and of course if you lose you lose a lot of money. That's also sad. But if you make the right bet and you you make something that's really like out there and new and innovative, you kind of hit it big.
0: Yeah, that's like the 90s was all about was just they were just making all these cool, weird ass games that were just novel as shit. (laughs) Booger man. Well,
1: and that's (laughs) we've kind of talked about this on an episode before. But it was sort of like the end goal of everything back in like the 80s and 90s. I'm not trying to be cynical or anything, but back in the 80s and the 90s, that development was like, hey, we've got a cool idea. Let's see if we can make it work. Sometimes it didn't. And sometimes, you know, it did. And it made history. Whereas nowadays, you know, your typical game development, um, you know, for a larger effort would be like, okay, you know, what metrics do we have to make? So it seems like less I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, there's still artistic merit in these titles, but it's less about creating a concept and more about like hitting a metric, I feel like.
2: Yeah, it's over it's overproduced, over curated. They've got to make sure that that it's going to make them the money that they want back. It's it's, you know, very what's the word I'm looking for? Um, It just it's it's you know, idea second,
3: product
1: first.
3: Right. It's it's really sad when you look back at, I mean, think of EA, right? That's a huge company, right? And if you look at how EA Electronic Arts presented themselves in the 80s, they were presenting themselves as kind of like rock stars. Um, and, you know, a lot of modern uh, game packaging actually kind of came out from how EA started to handle games because before you know back in the day it was just like here's a plastic bag with a floppy disk in it it has a really fun game on it trust me i played it um and they were just kind of like no like this is you know <laughs> this is art this is we have like rock stars you know it might sound a little cringe now but you know they, they were kind of seeing themselves as like uh like rock stars like we we we're, we're creating art here and they uh you know they they would hire um I think album um artists to kind of uh make some of the box art. And so, you know, that that was like a new thing. You know, you, you go to a computer store in the eighties and then suddenly you see like um some game with some like flashy box art. You're just like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> like, <laughs> like I I I'm I'm some computer nerd and you know, I'm used to just like boring ass shit or like floppy discs in a plastic bag, but whoa. Um
2: it boxes all these different shapes and
3: yeah i mean it, like since then i mean some box art went really experimental right um and then uh i don't know it's it's almost like things have kind of regressed too you look at box art now you're just like okay you, you market researched the shit out of this didn't you um <laughs> you know yeah. somebody somebody really wanted uh the 10 out of 10 games uh spy or whatever score on it you know, gotta gotta sell extra units.
2: At least we're getting out of the guy holding a gun on the front phase.
3: Uh, have we moved past the uh, guy facing away from you? You see, you see his back. Have we moved away from that phase, or is that still going? I think that's still uh, going. Yeah. Damn. Oh, wonder what the next one will be. Hmm. Somebody's. It's gonna be. Somebody is going to say, Hey, we have some proprietary mumbo jumbo that somehow knows what people want. It's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we, we studied like 20 gamers. You know, yeah. And they really like this. And it's just locked gonna,
2: them in a room. Yeah. And it's just
3: going to be some, some, some dumb shit. It's like, OK, yeah. And that's going to be the future of box art. Whatever, whatever the fuck that person with their proprietary data, analytics, whatever is.
0: It's going to be three quarters to the right profile.
3: Yeah, yeah. There you go. And the sad thing about it is, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with like looking at that if you're just like, hey, like, let's see what trends are. Right? There's there's nothing wrong with that. The issue become the issue is really that you look at trends and you're just like, this is it. That's the idea. That's the concept. It's like what? It's like yeah, yeah. This, this is this is what they want. It's like all right.
0: Uh, this whole time I'm just thinking about Metal Gear. It's like it was like running right parallel to this whole conversation.
2: Box art for Metal Gear got progressively worse over the years.
3: Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I I think what needs to be accepted is that there are no facts about the future. Uh, so much of business nowadays is just like okay, they're doing analytics. That's fine. You, you should any responsible business will do that. But then that's that's hundred percent what they rely on. Um. And I think part of it is just uh, the people who kind of make decisions are, like, just terrified of getting fired. They just, you know, they don't want to be the person who just says yes to this crazy-ass idea that might not be, like, the norm. And it and it just completely tanks. And suddenly it's like, well, you're out of a job. But it's kind of sad because it's like, you know, if you don't let people take these kind of risks – you 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 are missing out we are missing out because at the end of the day like you know we're not i'm not working in the games industry but that kind of risk-taking could potentially to some amazing game that i have you know zero clue about because again it, it hasn't been made yet none of us have thought of it yet maybe we can think of it i don't know
2: yeah, I mean, like, everything now, like, there's a there's a set idea of what is safe, what is not, what is the way you do things, and what is not, and so everything's just kind of becoming homogenized, and it's, yeah. When was the last time, like, game art caught your eye on a shelf? Because oh, I, mean, I can't think of anything.
3: I, uh, I...
0: Cuphead? <laughs> yeah, there you go.
3: <laughs> Try to think, uh... Maybe I think it was a sports game, just because it was just like so absurd. It was like, oh yeah,
2: like the really bad Madden cover.
3: uh, Maybe it was Madden. It was was just very like, wow, this is this is very modern. I don't know what the fuck is going on here, but okay.
2: Or was it FIFA? I can't remember. I know what you're talking about, though, where it's just like blocks and weird color. Like they were just they threw shit at a wall and saw what stuck.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it 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 was. It was definitely an intentional design choice, right? Yeah, but it was just like okay, like this this looks like a brutalist website, but it's a it's box art.
2: right. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was FIFA. God, what was it? I gotta look that up.
3: I mean, you know, and this might sound like oh well, the box art didn't work because we don't remember it. So, well, it's like well, I I don't play sports games, so I you know I wasn't the audience, but it was memorable. <laughs> I will say that much.
2: <laughs> now, even in the case of Metal Gear, like you look at MGS One, and you have just the title. And, like, that caught my eye. And then you fast-forward and MGS 4 and 5 are just, like, you know, a face on the, on the front of the cover. Okay.
3: Yeah, and it, it got to the point where you're just kind of like, you know what? I, Because the face wasn't even the worst of all Metal Gear cover arts, was it? Um, uh, I think Peace Walker was probably the worst. The American Peace Walker box art is fucking awful. I think the only thing that's worse than that one is Snake Eater 3D. But you know what, whatever, that's like some weird port. Yeah, I don't don't know. I don't know. Peace Walker is like a main entry, right? That's like, that was going to be called. Twin Snakes was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. But again, that's like, it's like a remake.
1: It's funny because technically speaking, Twin Snakes has a guy looking over his shoulder with a gun. <laughs> Sorry, that was just in my head while you guys were having that conversation. Are, Please proceed. No, no, no. Are you saying? Please proceed, Governor.
3: Are you saying the Twin Peaks? Wait, whoa, the Twin Snakes. What?
1: Dude, do, don't you ever compare those again? No, they, they.
3: The only way they're comparable is the second season of Twin Peaks, where it starts getting fucking stupid. You know, because there's there's a point where like after one episode, I'm not going to spoil it. Well, I can kind of say they reveal the killer. And then an episode right after, all the way to almost the end, it's just like, what the f this is awful. This is terrible. Um but yeah, are you saying the Twin Snakes was ahead of its time? No. Okay.
1: Uh yeah, I was gonna say, well, the reason I say that is I'm pretty sure that they had dudes looking over their shoulders with guns around that time period then. So
3: And I if I remember correctly It this- was an omen. The Japanese version of the box art was just Shinkawa artwork.
2: Yeah, it was. It was red and then Shinkawa with snake and liquid and
3: black. Like, all right. That's all right. Whereas Peace Walker, just like, this, like, Big Boss looks angry as fuck. Just like, you could you can hear him <laughs> just going grrr, right? And there's like a helicopter. I want peace! There's like, <laughs> I mean, it's... I I would talk shit I would talk so much shit about the portable ops cover art because I was like dude there's palm trees in it but there's no palm trees in the game. But you know what that cover art looked better than the Peace Walker cover art.
1: There's just so much going on. It was yeah. There's so much shit in the frame as Planket would say
3: it's almost like they were overcompensated. You're like, oh man, this is a portable game. We we can't even call this Metal Gear Solid Five, okay? But we want we want people to know that it, there's there's a lot of shit going on in this game. So just
1: yeah, I was gonna say there's shit going just on. Slam
3: everything. <laughs> in. I want fucking bullet holes in it. I'm surprised they didn't put bullet holes in the logo. Actually,
2: oh my god, yeah, it would have fit perfectly, wouldn't have.
3: But you know that's meanwhile Japan. It's just like this very calm and tranquil yellow box art with like a snake's face and you know, four four people in the bottom doing like a co-op thing. Very, very... It's very relaxing to look at, honestly. It's like, oh yeah, peace walk. <laughs> Guess they should remake it.
1: It still retains its urgency, but it, it doesn't try to overcompensate.
3: Yeah. I, I, I think... that nice yellow theme. Yeah. It's nice and calm. I think a lot of problems with... A lot of things just, like, overcompensating from a place of insecurity.
1: <laughs> like, they're insecure that this is a PSP game? I, I think so. <laughs> I, I mean, they yeah. took the
2: five out of the logo.
3: I would not be surprised if, you know, this was something where Kojima had arguments about. Where it was just, like... I want to make Metal Gear Solid 5. They're like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, hell yeah. You know, good shit."
1: Hell yeah, brother. And are like, yeah, yeah.
3: And, you know, we're going to take the uh, working files of Portable Ops, and they're like, wait, what? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, essentially, you know, Portable Ops 2, but, like, my own thing. They're just like, no.
2: Like, come on. I mean, that's how it started internally. It was called Portable Ops
3: 2. Oh, yeah. The, some, of the, some of the source code from, uh, I think Portable Ops Plus is in Peacewalk.
2: I mean, they've been doing that since ages. A guy we both know uh, was telling me, I think there's legacy code from MGS1 all the way up to MGS4.
3: Well, to be fair, you had like a piece of Metal Gear Solid 1 literally in Metal Gear Solid 4.
2: Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) But that's that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, on the subject of Twin Snakes and remakes, uh, you kind of had this book
1: yeah how'd you get my address? I'm no, just kidding.
3: Uh, <laughs> I wish I was that good
2: and uh this had me on the floor, man.
3: yeah, the book was hilarious
0: man. thank you yeah. we appreciate uh sending out a copy.
3: well, you know, as you might may know, I'm technically retired from this whole community um I said so in twenty twelve I let Maxwell take over the site. Um, I still have the keys to the site and the social, um, channel, so I just post memes all the time. Sometimes I check in with Max, I'm like, hey, what do you think? He'll be like, this sucks. I'll be like, oh, okay. But then sometimes it's like, "Ah, hey, I don't care, it's funny. and i post it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Max. I forgot why I mentioned that. So just so everybody knows what we're talking about, you
3: guys actually, you published a shit post. You published a shit post? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but now... Now remember, the reason why I sent out the books, like, I was, like, in a mad rush was because it's like, okay, well, I kind of want to, like, promote the book. And, like, you, you folks have this podcast, you want me on, that's great. But if we didn't have the book, I don't know what the fuck we'd be talking about. Like, hey, I, I started a site that I don't run anymore. I sometimes <laughs> post memes. Yeah. Oh, who cares?
2: You're, you're on here to, to hang out with us. This is not, like, we're not interviewing. This is a chat. Oh, okay. Dude, have you listened to this show?
3: We don't give a shit.
1: Yeah, we really don't. We're not asking for any kind of scoop or anything. <laughs>
3: oh, I got no scoops. Zero scoops. What's it like working with Kojima?
1: <laughs> oh, <you know. laughs>
3: when it come? How
1: do you handle his craziness? <laughs> Sorry.
2: No, but for real, this book is like the Mona Lisa of Metal Gear shit posts. Yeah. Uh, I was I was laughing my ass off at the Great Gatsby intro.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was laughing even before that, where you had like the uh, the like copyright text. Like you even went in as far as to like edit some of that. Like <laughs> that had me laughing before I even started the
1: book. Yeah, it gave me very. And I hope I'm pronouncing this dude's names right. Uh, John Sheske Sheske vibes, the dude who wrote the Stinky Cheese Man. For those who don't know, where he, yeah he. You guys, you both sort of take advantage of the writing medium to to tell your tell your jokes and your story.
3: Yeah, you know, I do. I do appreciate that too, because uh, at the end of the day, this this whole thing is like a parody, right? It's uh, yeah. It, it's it's kind of it's almost a long running joke for the soup actually, because we did something ten years ago called MGS Social Bros. And that was a collaboration I did with uh, John Miller, where we just created these personas. And this was this was something that was like slowly growing 10 years ago. And I think now, honestly, just like it's kind of like the norm. But back then, there was just kind of like we, we noticed a lot of Metal Gear fans who were just like they were very, very much what you would call like a dude bro. Right. Yeah. And they were into Metal Gear. That's great. But another aspect of it was not only were they, like, arrogantly into Metal Gear, they also were so insistent that, like, all their beliefs about a fucking video game series was coming from, like, a point of, like, I don't know, personal growth. You know, it, it, when they would talk about, oh, yeah, Big Boss is the hero of the series. No, you, you wouldn't understand. If you disagree, you, don't, you just don't understand. You're not a good person bro and we, we built this this whole thing and that was like 10 years ago and then a couple of years ago um i kind of got this idea and the idea really came from the fact that the name cynic kind of sounds like snake and i was just like oh solid huh and then i was just like I, I pitched the idea to maxwell to just make this parody where it's just like you know we're still talking about. Remaking Metal Gear Solid, right? Oh, we want Blue Point to remake Metal Gear Solid. And just kind of like, why? Oh, you know, it'd be fucking awesome. But but why? Because <laughs> there's nothing inherently wrong about remakes, in my opinion. In fact, there's been plenty of good remakes. Uh Resident Evil. That remake, top-notch. But I think. When it comes to Resident Evil, the question of why was answered by the people who were making it. Because they, they, they would be asked that. It's like, oh, like Resident Evil 1, that came out not too long ago on PlayStation. You did a director's cut. and would be like, yeah, you know, we, we kind of want to like do like a whole new like angle at it. Like we want to do like, it's like, okay, that's fine. That makes sense. And they really did. They, they still captured the same mood of the original Resident Evil. Um, and you know, now it's available in HD. I have it on PC. Um, and I replayed it. It's like, yeah, this is, you know, it's the same, essentially the same game I played on GameCube many years ago. But even back then, I remember it's like, this is a pretty faithful adaptation. Whereas with Metal Gear Solid One, and I'm sure you got this from the book, it just kind of like the arguments are just kind of like all over the place. Like, it, it almost comes down to this person has this idea of the perfect Metal Gear Solid, right? Like what Metal Gear Solid could be. And it just like that, there's like some sort of hope that that's essentially what he would be getting. Like Metal Gear Solid is this product that as it sits right now on PlayStation and PC, doesn't, it doesn't meet that criteria of like this ideal product that you would consider like a like you know they they call it a triple a video game right and you know we we could have made a serious article saying hey like you know what's we've done serious articles on remakes we've we talked about the classic metal gears and how essentially remaking those would be a whole ordeal you, you it wouldn't be like a straightforward here like let's look at metal gear 1 and make it a 3D game. It, there, there would be a lot of extra, like a lot more work that would need to be done. Like the whole game would essentially need to change. Yeah. Um, that was the argument then. This one is just kind of like fuck it. Like let's let's do a parody approach where we just like take this absurdist argument, which is yeah, they should remake it. They should remake all the games, and then after they're done with that, they should remake them again because those remakes are going to be outdated. Because that's, that's a huge argument that I see a lot, that, oh, well, Metal Gear Solid was made in 1998. Um, and it's like, yeah, sure. And it was great then. Has it shown its age? I mean, sure. It looks like a PlayStation game in a cool way, in my opinion. Um, it has already been remade. That's what made it a little bit funnier to me. It's like, well, you, you already have a remake. Um guess you want a third remake um but that did come out
0: in 2004 so that's only you know 6 years in between but now we've had a little bit more time i don't know 16 or no 17 years now yeah
1: but looking back now that you bring up twin snakes you know there's you go back to that argument of like you know is somebody doing something for the sake of remaking something for the sake of remaking it and thus being cyclical is is that the case with Twin Stakes or or do you think that um fuck I already forgot that develop Silicon Knights you think Silicon Knights had some purpose or excuse me point beyond getting a metal gear on GameCube? Cause I can't honestly I feel like there might be a concept or, or like an argument or a, a um an idea or a thesis that they, they were trying to present with this remake, but it's it's not coming to me. But I'm also very tired because I just played MGO <laughs> with Nitroid for like three hours. Heck yeah.
3: <laughs> I think that's a good question. I, I I personally think Silicon Knights actually was, they were probably ecstatic to get this project. And they probably, I think they did, for the task that they were probably given, I think they did a decent job. Um, because when you think about what what was the ask? What, like, how did the Twin Snakes come to fruition? It kind of came down to Kojima being asked by Nintendo, like, hey, can we get a Metal Gear Solid game, please? And I have a feeling they couldn't port Metal Gear Solid 2 to GameCube. Like, it might have been too difficult. I mean, that was the approach they did with Xbox, where they just ported Metal Gear Solid 2. It was fun. Um, it, was, it had its flaws, but whatever, like, to port. Um. Whereas for the GameCube, maybe there was like some issues, so they're just kind of like, "Okay, we we would have to like make a new game. We're already making Metal Gear Solid Three for the PS2. We don't want to waste that many resources, but we're happy to let you folks handle a remake of Metal Gear Solid One." They're like, "Oh, okay." And you know, at the time, Silicon Knights, um, was uh, I I, for, I forgot the term for it, but it's kind of like where you're you're directly under um nintendo like they they. Were, i don't know if they were fully owned by nintendo first party no no maybe a second party maybe that's the term but it it was one of those things where either they had a deal or they had a relationship with nintendo where they 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 basically worked under nintendo um that's why you saw um what was the game they made that? They were working eternal on eternal darkness. Yeah,
1: eternal darkness. That's like literally the only two games. I mean, they were, were riding before. on the
2: success from that.
1: And too human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, <laughs> too human. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the whole the whole purpose of adding them was like, okay, well, what's an iconic moment of MGS one? Oh, Psychomantis. Well. Why don't, or what? What's an iconic part of the series? Oh, you know they break the fourth wall a bunch. Okay, let's get these guys who you know are famous for breaking the fourth wall to do this. Might be
2: that simple, honestly.
1: It might. It be. might be. I'm just throwing shit at the wall. Um. That would be my logic. That was my logic when I was like twelve playing this game.
3: But yeah i I think I think you know they were given that task. They were just you know they were ecstatic, but. They had a lot of things going against them: Um, time, budget. Um, I mean, Dennis Dyack, You know, there's a lot we could say about him. (laughs) But one thing that I I noticed was he was definitely promising things that were not in the final game. He 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 was saying that they were they were going to be like they were going to include all of the BR missions. Not a single one ended up on uh, either of those two discs, and I, I think. You know these sorts of things happen where it just it feels like the ask was make a Metal Gear Solid game on Nintendo. You know, Konami was aligned with uh, remaking Metal Gear Solid One, and you know, Kojima was aligned with having the cutscenes be fucking totally wacky. Um, you know, some people like to b- blame Kitamura, but it's like, well, no. You know, y- you're asking Kitamura to direct your cutscenes um and do them his style what the fuck are you going to expect you know that's all on kojima if you don't like those cutscenes,
2: it it was i mean he th- I, f- I don't remember which interview it was but uh the the way it went was kitamura started directing those cutscenes, and he was doing them fairly one-to-one with the original And kojima stepped in and said no 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 you need to you need to like amp them up make them more uh in your style so uh you did
3: yeah and then, you know, in terms of gameplay, it's just like those, those Sons of Liberty game mechanics, you know, sometimes it's like the tank fight. You can tell they were, they really, they kind of thought about it. They kind of considered, well, the player now has access to these abilities. So we got to kind of counter that. But then you got the Oslo boss fight, which is just like, <laughs> you know, um, and that that's that's a scenario you know if if you're gonna remake something you you have to really put a lot of thought into these sort of things. it's not it's not straightforward, right?
2: It's strange though, because there were interviews with I can't remember if it was Dayak or other members of Silicon Knights where they talked about how I think it was dyak where he where he talked about how like one of the challenges they had was making sure that they balanced the level design of the first game with the mechanics of the second game. So they didn't run into these specific issues, but that's exactly what happened.
3: I Again, I think it was time and money. Wasn't uh, it
2: developed in something like a year or it was, it was a very short development cycle. I know that
3: it was, yeah, it was a very tight turnaround. Um, it was just like, as soon as they announced it, apparently they like, they, they barely had much of it done. I remember those early screenshots. It looks very different. Um, honestly, the final product looks better than the early screenshots. Early screenshot, like, kind of had that... Oh, yeah. It, it kind of had that Sonic Adventure DX look where everything had, like, plastic wrap on it. Yeah. Like, those Genome Soldiers, <laughs> the the uh, SOCOM gun, like, it wasn't a good look. It, it, was, it was also fucking blue as hell. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. They just dialed, they're like, yeah, you remember this? It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, so, so at least, you know, at least the final game... Still look better than that, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a flawed case. And look, look, could a remake of Metagree Solid be good? Absolutely, it really could. The problem I have is it's like this assumption that it will be good, especially if Blue Point does it, right? And they, remakes have existed in like almost every every single art form or medium or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, some of them are good. Some of them aren't good. Um, it inherently involves, it really depends on what the direction kind of leans towards. Um, if, if you know, look, if, if you, if you're responsible, you, you're working at Konami right now and you're, you, you have full control over whatever the fuck, Konami wants to do with this intellectual property right Metal Gear Solid and you're just like yeah I want a remake and you just you tell Bluepoint hey we want this game remade here are some I don't know source files just just make a remake and that's the ask make a remake and that's let's assume that's what Bluepoint does you're just like yeah we're going to remake it we're going to make it look like a game that came out in 2021 I don't I don't think that would be a good approach I really wouldn't. I, I think a better approach would be to kind of consider what Metal Gear Solid was in 1998. What made it such a good game, right? Like what what made it such a groundbreaking game, especially back then. And try to rep, you know, try to get that feel, for lack of a better word, in a remake.
2: Well, you need a clear creative impetus, and that's something that Resident Evil had. When they went into it, they knew exactly what their intent was, what their goal was. They wanted to do a new sort of spin on it and accomplish some things that probably they wanted to do in the first place and and just frankly couldn't. Um, yeah, but with Metal Gear, it's just like, hey, let's make it look better. Like that seems to be like, you know, touching on the book a bit. That's one of the arguments you always hear is, well, it just looks so old and it plays so old. Like, OK, dude, like,
3: uh, yeah, watch that's- more classic movies. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people don't. Right? You you hear it very often where people are just like, "Oh, that movie's in black and white. Uh, I don't, I don't want right. to say that." It's
2: like, "What? <laughs> we make it in color and and add special effects and and lens flares and shit."
3: Oh man! All right, JJ. <laughs> I mean, that that gave me an idea, but but
1: I mean, you're right. There are some remakes
2: that are good. I mean, look at the thing that was a remake. I mean that was the third time that there had been a film adaptation of that and it was it, that's the iconic one. But in this case, you know, I mean we're talking about I, I don't know how you how you know, everybody's going to lean differently on the whole auteur idea, but Metal Gear Solid is a product of its time and a product of a specific set a specific creative team and what they wanted to accomplish, and if you do something now where it's just like, okay, well, let's just take it and and bring it up to date, it's not going to be good. Like there, there has to be an i like an idea, an ethos driving this, or it's just going to be a mess.
3: You, that's a very good point, because if you look at a lot of fan remakes, and these are fan projects, right? I don't want to sound like. I'm shitting on any fan projects. Um, You know, good for them, honestly. I wish there were more Metal Gear fan projects um, that are kind of like this. But so many of them are like, yeah, we like remade this part of this classic game in the Unreal Engine, right? And it just, honestly, just doesn't look that great. Like, it look, you know what it looks like? It looks like, yeah, yeah, the, the graphics technically are better, but... You know, but fucking
2: weird is what it looks like. When you see like Mario 64 and Unreal Engine, like that no. Right. Now now
3: <laughs> Mario 64 is a great example because compare Mario 64 and Unreal, where just like they're using these like, you know, these textures, these uh artifacts that it's just kind of like, what are you going for? Are you going for hyper realism? Are you going you know it it it's just it's not cohesive? Compare that with the fan project. Um where you take a copy of Super Mario 64 that somehow plays on PC, don't ask how, and <laughs> you replace the models, um, the Nintendo 64 models, with models that look like um, how the Super Mario 64 promotional renders yeah. <laughs> and honestly, it looks fucking good. And the reason why it looks good is because the game was designed to kind of like you know, if 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 they had enough power back then in the M sixty four, they they would have they would have went with that. That's the look and feel they were going after. And they did their best with the hardware. Um you know, I mean same same, you know, uh legally suspicious way of playing Super Mario sixty four on the PC. <laughs> um but you can no. replace you can replace the Nintendo 64 model of Mario with the Super Mario Galaxy version, and it looks fucking off. It does not look right. It doesn't look good. Um
2: it's it's holism and nobody seems to have a sense for it anymore.
3: Consistency and the big idea, these are very important things in almost anything. Even a remix. Um and I think that's probably why, you know, the Resident Evil remake was so damn good. And, uh, yeah. and
1: I was going to say, t- to your point, like, even... I bring this up every... We bring this series up every fucking episode. Because we talk about <laughs> remakes every fucking episode. But in any case, um, going back to your point about Resident Evil, even, like, the second remake, I felt like, had that what was the term you use nitroid um artistic uh impetus or something like that
2: yeah i mean you you've got a clear vision in mind and a and a and a, you know you got a goal beyond just let's bring it up to date,
1: right, and to me like th- that's a good example because I felt like what those developers are doing was trying to challenge the concept of you know, not having fixed camera angles and how can we maintain that fear without having sort of those rudimentary um, mechanics, you know, uh, enabling or facilitating that feeling. And they did it with, you know, the way the lighting works, you know, the way the gameplay works. Um, So I think there's many ways that you can kind of exert your purpose on a remake. And I, I haven't really heard one. For Metal Gear One, Metal Gear Solid One, but I'd love to hear it. Like I would love to hear somebody have a similar type of artistic vision or purpose for it.
3: Well, it's funny you mention Metal Gear One because that was remade for the uh, NES and uh, Commodore sixty
2: four. <laughs> yeah, it's weird to think about that.
3: I, I, and again, I, I think the ask for that was just we need this on a platform that is actually sold in the united states right um so again you know probably a shitty budget um probably barely any time um i don't like the game right but you know similar to the twin sayings it's kind of like i the developers i think probably did the best they could but you know what was it a good remake no was there a you know this like Top of the line directive, in terms of like what the remake essentially. Is. Uh, yeah, probably not. Especially back then, it was just like, yeah, we we'll just put it on NES. It's like, all right, but you know, they 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 tried some things like the jungle. <laughs> um I like the music. You know what? Yeah, yeah. the The music for the you know the music for Snakes Revenge and the NES Metal Gear are pretty top notch. So I'll give them that.
0: Yeah. Definitely good music.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was the same composer anyway, so... Was it? Uh, yeah, I think... Oh, God, I can't remember. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the same composer. Someone's going to yell at me now.
3: Well, I will also say this. The fact that the music is different is actually kind of telling um, that they they put some thought into the music. Because it, you know, especially back then, you know, the way these platforms work in terms of like how the music was was processed. It wasn't like it wasn't straightforward. It Um, was
2: not, I'm completely wrong. Uh it was a it was uh Ikumizutani who did the MSX version and Kazuki Maraoka who did the NES version, although Maraoka later went on to work on MGS one, two, twin snakes three, four and and the others. Not as a composer but like in the sound theme.
0: Who did Snake's Revenge?
2: Uh um I have no idea. Okay. Off the top of my head, I got to got too many things I got to remember, man.
3: <laughs> Had they tried to take the MSX version's music and just put it on NES, it would have sounded like fucking garbage. Um yeah.
0: yeah, not enough channels. Yeah.
3: And the Commodore 64 port, by the way, is fucking awful, and part of the reason is
2: you can't beat it, can you? It's. I think it's actually unbeatable because of how broken it is. Dude, it's fucking unplayable.
3: <laughs> I, I, I tried playing that. <laughs> I'm like, man, fuck this. But I, I do remember from playing it, and maybe it wasn't Commodore 64. Maybe it was the MS-DOS version. Either way, both of them are awful. One of them actually tries to have the NES music in it. But it's doing the DOS music thing.
2: I love like the art they put into it, though, like the weird quasi scene art.
3: Hey, I. It's just I, I, horribly drawn. I appreciate shit like that. All right, because <laughs> you're like, you know what? We're not on NES. We could put little, like, we can make our little MS Paint drawings or whatever they used back then. <laughs> right. Was MS Paint on DOS? I don't think it was.
2: Uh, no, because that's that's a Windows product.
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, Windows was technically on DOS if you want to get you know technical about it oh boy yeah don't make me think about this
3: but yeah the you know the first metal gear was remade wasn't good um meanwhile meanwhile like metal gear 2 wasn't like remade they were just completely different games um and i've shit on snakes revenge plenty of times but for an NES game, it's honestly not bad.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I would say there's honestly more of a justification to remake. I, okay, I you know, try not to throw up in my You're mouth You do fucking go. Uh, I don't like remakes, for the most part. Um, it, it, no mystery if you've heard me talk about this before. But there's more of a justification for remaking Metal Gear One and Two than there is for Solid, in my opinion. Like, at least I can think of a. Cr-
0: I thought you were gonna say MGS Four. Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. I was it. expecting some like super hot take. What? What? Uh, what? <laughs>
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice to MGS Four tonight. Well, okay. Hold on. So by remake, you mean like you know make it look like a triple A 2021. Yeah. So so here's the question I would pose to you. Think about... Because Metal Gear is a classic. Metal Gear 2 is just kind of like one of those games that I wish more Metal Gear fans would play because it's fucking amazing. It's one of the best Metal Gear games. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately, it's like you need a PS3 or, again, question, questionably legal things on your computer, um, which I wouldn't... You know, that's something where it's like, yeah, I understand why you wouldn't want to pursue that. Um, so that's the unfortunate part, right? Like, they, they released Metal Gear 1 on PC. Metal Gear 2? Nope. Hopefully that changes. Yeah. I You know, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. I would love to have that game on my PC. Um, but Metal Gear 1, especially, it's like a classic, right? It's a classic 2D game. It's like that top-down perspective. Everything about it really defined a genre. It wasn't the first stealth game but it really kind of, like, helped set it up, although Metal Gear Solid probably really brought stealth into popularity. But think about all the other classic 2D games that have, you know, went on to 3D. And we couldn't even leave Sonic out of this because I know, um, you know, some of those 3D games uh not so good. <laughs> but, you know, think about Super Mario. Think about... Um, Duke Nukem think about all these games that started in 2d and how you know there, there's I'm sure some people are like yeah like we, we, we let's remake Super Mario Brothers 1 into a 3d platformer I'm sure they exist but it's just kind of like it, it seems more accepted that you know Super Mario Brothers 1 is a fucking classic it's still playable today um, it's obviously showing its age but you know that it's it's a game from 1986 what do you expect um it's also such a
2: fundamental game that how could you even remake it like what would that even look like
3: whereas when you think about the ports for metal gear 1 and 2 they did you know they did a few tweaks right um it's not you know it's not if you're super super um particular about game preservation it's not like a one-to-one preservation of the game but they're still great um even if you disagree with some of the changes they made it's like eh, whatever like I, I i get why they don't want to use the likeness of sean as big boss i get it right? <laughs> like it's not even like a oh the canon Ooh the the wikia pages like fuck that it's more so like oh they probably would have a legal issue now so i get that um but i you know remaking them it's kind of like well what's the point do you just want to make a new metal gear game because you can still do that you can just reboot the whole series make whatever the fuck you want whereas here it's like okay well you're gonna have to like what's the goal here you you want you you're trying to fix some retcons that supposedly exist you're you want a bigger audience like well, well, so the the question of why comes back again
2: Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying I think it's a good idea. I'm not. I don't want any remakes, if I'm being honest. I'm just saying I think there's, you you can make a better argument for those two than you can for Metal Gear Solid.
3: But I think the argument would then follow through to Metal Gear Solid and the rest of the series, honestly, up to a certain point. Because, you know, any argument you would make about Metal Gear or Metal Gear 2, the only thing that is different about Metal Gear Solid is that it's in 3D, and they had full voice acting, which, by the way, they're, they wouldn't reuse in any remake. Um, they had to re-record it for the Twin Sikes, which is a little this unfortunate. Gonna, oh. But um, that's the only difference. It's in 3D already. Whereas Metal Gear 1 and Metal Gear 2, yeah, they're in 2D. But any argument you can make in support of remaking those you can apply the same argument to Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, uh, 4, Peace Walker. Probably not five at this point. Just wait, right? Yeah, just, <laughs> just wait. <laughs> then,
1: we'll give it a few gens.
3: And here's the thing here's the thing. At this point, we're essentially making the argument that Sinek is making, right? Where it's like, oh, like wh- what makes Metal Gear 1 and Metal Gear 2 more. Feasible candidates for remakes. It's, it's their age, right?
1: It's it's funny that you guys say that because you keep using like the word argument, and when in my head I'm thinking of more so the word vision, and in which my opinion is is like, it's like I would I consider each of these having just as equal possibility of being remade because anybody could come with an idea or a vision that would be perfect for a remake or or justifiable for a remake and it doesn't matter you know where the circumstances from the game came from that makes sense i hope it
3: does i actually no no it it makes total sense and i actually agree with that let's say let's say tomorrow suda 40 wait 51 (laughs) jesus which which suda Suda. are we talking about (laughs) all of them i'm talking about (laughs) wario 64 no no no. suda 51 (laughs) you know just just it's like yeah i want to remake Metal Gear Solid. I'd be like, oh, that's that would be fucking interesting, right?
1: Yeah, because you would want to know, like, okay, what what is it about? You know, what is it that compels Suda Fifty One to take a look at this p- medium and bring it to this generation? Whereas, you know, if we hear just the generic, oh, be like, Blue Point is bringing Metal Gear to PS Five, you know, there's no. It doesn't necessarily pique your interest. It doesn't there's no vision that you're looking for there.
3: Right, because it would just be outside
1: like, of yeah. A visual you're right it, it, what you're gonna say. Yeah, exactly.
3: Um visual and sound update. You know. Oh, now you can use um you know, the haptic feedback. During the torture sequence. well Yeah, and it's you know like, whoa.
2: <laughs> it's not going to be like Demon Souls either, where the mechanics were fairly advanced enough where they could just you know reskin the game essentially and and have it work in a in a next gen setting. Metal Gear Solid, if it's remade, is going to have to be completely overhauled from the ground up. There's no way they're going to release a game with those mechanics in the 2020s.
3: Meanwhile, what a lot of fans are saying, and I I'm in full support of this. It's like, hey, can we get, like, the whole collection again on modern platforms? Yeah. Right? Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah.
1: Especially with all this news coming out about digital storefronts just, like, shutting down and, you know, Mario dying.
3: Oh, man. I I was playing Super Mario 35. That was my go-to game up until, you know, they took it off yesterday. It's was like, oh, well, now I have my nights a lot more free. um but yeah it goes
2: back into the disney vault
3: (laughs) i mean nintendo does do some stuff like disney where just kind of like what the fuck are they thinking over there like make making 3d all-stars like this weird timed exclusive for the physical release it's like okay i get right digital it's like yeah we're taking it off the store it's like what okay
2: it's bizarre Um,
3: yeah, I mean, I, I who knows? Who knows? It, it's Nintendo's a very interesting company, right? Um, there's like a lot of stuff where they're just like they're very particular and adamant about. Um, I mean, just like how they handle online, right? That alone, it's like you know connecting with somebody. I mean, remember the wee day, wee days where you had this whole code.
1: Friend code, yeah.
3: I mean, you still kind of do that with a Switch, but it's a lot easier now. They let you connect with your social media, you can do all sorts of things. But I remember the Wii, you just had the friend code. And it was just like, why? They like, oh, well, you know, we don't, uh, it's, it's safe. It's like, okay.
2: No, Nintendo was dragged kicking and screaming into the internet.
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, by the way, you know, they, they argued it was safer. I think they found out that the Switch still <laughs> uses, like, code, like net code from, like, fucking... <laughs> The nineteen nineties. Um so you know, they're just a weird company. So like in terms of like the why, it's like who knows. They probably have a reason, but it's just like out there. And you know what? Good for them, right? Um (laughs) sucks for a lot of us, I guess. Um there were probably a lot of people who are like, Man, I don't want to buy this, but I also don't want to like not be able to buy this and just bought Super Mario 3D All Stars. Cause I'm one of them. I'm one of those assholes. I have it sealed on my bookshelf. I don't. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna yeah. do with it. It's. Yeah. It's funny
1: that you say that. I I bought it this week or last week, not because I was freaking out about oh. that, but I was just like, you know, I kind of feel like playing. Uh, playing some sunshine. This, you know, this is a good opportunity, and I go and I, I pick it up and I start playing sunshine and i'm like this game still has great mechanics but the level design is fucking disappointing and (laughs) i stopped that i opened up galaxy and super mario 64 and those were great and i don't regret my purchase but i do regret buying it because of sunshine if that makes sense
2: you know what's ironic about this all three of those games uh can be emulated better than how this collection handles
3: them. I mean, I think it's clear at this point the collection suffered from the thing I keep on bringing up a lot: time and money. Yeah, they. Uh, I think they were just like, like I mean, one of my favorite games on a Nintendo Wii is Super Mario Galaxy Two. Where the fuck is that? Mm. <laughs>
1: yeah, that that was still very in the Disney ball.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah you know when they, when they when it was first released, there was like all these like issues, including like a like a thing that I, I don't know if it bricked your switch, but it wouldn't let you restart your switch or something like that you were locked into super Mario sixty four and look it's it's a good game, but you might want to play something else once in a while, and you know they they had to like fix it with a patch um. Sunshine had some issues where it's the same issues that somebody would have on an emulator, which is kind of telling. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's Patching has
2: made the whole preservation topic really convoluted because let's say you buy a copy of this so that you don't lose it. Well, you're... Holding on to a copy that's unpatched, buggy, was released as is, and let's say those servers aren't available anymore. You can't necessarily patch that on a system that isn't supported.
1: That's, what do you do? Folks are worried about like that with uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, because they patched in all of the holidays after yeah. a certain point.
2: I mean, in the age of DLC, it used to be with expansion packs, you would at least have a disc where you could update your game up to a certain point, but now it's... If the servers are down, you're shit out of luck.
3: That's where I, you know, in my opinion, I'm not a lawyer. That's where I'm like, hey, piracy is (laughs) A-OK.
1: Because, I mean, think about... What else are you supposed to do?
3: Exactly. Think about the situation you're put in, right? You have this game that you purchased, and for whatever reason, maybe... uh, the fucking system broke you fixed it wiped out everything the server doesn't connect why would they keep it up forever it's you know it's it's also a cost on their part so i get that but it's kind of like okay well when they shipped it it had a bug that like fucking caused your playstation 4 to blow up i don't know it's like well that's not playable so is it so wrong for you having? Legally purchase a game, even having the platform it's licensed for, is it so wrong to download the patch through other means and putting it in your PS4 and playing the dang game that you fucking paid for when it came out? Steal? No, no, I'm taking it back. Perfect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how like you legally emulate stuff, is just you have to own a copy of it, and then you can do whatever pull it out and, and as far as i understand it and again i'm I'm not a lawyer
2: either but emulators themselves are not illegal as i understand it now bios files firmware that they run on that's getting into that iffy territory but the um you know if you've got the hardware you've got all this stuff yourself um you know it's a little different
3: officer i only have a gens because I love the static <laughs> screen that shows up.
2: This is my emotional support emulator.
3: Yeah, so we need <laughs> we need medical cards for video games, you know? It's like, yeah, I, I do own Sonic the Hedgehog 3, but you know what? It's a lot easier playing it on my computer. I, I will say this, I, you know, I, I said Sonic the Hedgehog 3, but honestly, like, I have that on Steam as well, and that's how I would play it, so it doesn't matter. But... I mean, no, let's bring back Sonic the Hedgehog 3 because fans have created, like, patches. Um, there's something called Sonic 3 AIR, A-I-R. I think it stands for Angel Island Revisited. Look, I didn't name it, all right? But it adds all sorts of features, like widescreen support. You can swap the music. You can do all sorts of shit. And, you know, is it, is it legal? I don't fucking know. Luckily, Sega tends to be... Tends to be... Um, kind of open-minded towards fan-made shit. Um,
0: yeah, I was surprised that uh that Breath of the Wild uh mod that came out recently where they, you know, added a bunch of stuff in that they kind of let that fly, but I guess they just released it without talking about it too much.
3: That, yeah. That cuz that's always a danger in terms of making fan projects where it's like you 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 want the press, right? It's it's nice getting some clout. But then it's like, okay, well, <laughs>
0: You know what that c and d yeah,
3: yeah it's like you know who else reads the press, the fucking company that would like sue you, and Nintendo's a huge one, you know they're fucking obnoxious about it at times um, i th- you might have heard the uh the couple who had the emulator website, and look, this isn't the same thing as you know downloading an emulator or playing something. this is like hosting these files online or whatever, so it's like okay they get they get into legal action, whatever. That's not even what I'm bringing up. What I wanted to bring up was the fact that part of the legal agreement was that not only did they have to surrender (laughs) all of the Nintendo hardware and game that they fucking own, they were prohibited from ever owning it. So imagine being legally barred from ever owning a fucking Nintendo game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know you fucked up.
1: It's like when they, the kid from Hackers, when they like ban him from a computer for 10 years. It's essentially
2: that. Yeah. If you so much as touch a Game Boy, you're going back to jail.
1: I mean, holy shit. They do like, they do like probation searches, looking for consoles and shit in their house.
2: What's that you're hiding? Is that an Amiibo?
0: (laughs) You got thumb monitors on.
1: (laughs) Don't say that because Nintendo could be going for those Amiibo spoofers. But them shits, okay. They had Animal Crossing had Sanrio amiibos go on sale. Target exclusive, sold out in a minute. Target exclusive, online only. Sold out in a minute, and you wonder why people, you know, they go to fucking like people use NFC tools on their Android phone phones to create spoofs of these amiibos. And I mean, can you blame them because? Now, when you lock gameplay behind them. Yeah, it's either that or they pay fucking $90 to be able to get this four megabyte file on their island.
2: Yeah, I just bought three Amiibos for my wife because I know they're, they're going to be impossible to get in like two weeks for Monster Hunter Rise. And she's like a big Monster Hunter fan.
3: Nintendo will clamp down. When Lil Nas X makes a custom amiibo <laughs> and pisses off everybody, <laughs> satanic amiibo—it's <laughs> satanic peach—and <laughs> it'll get all the press, right? Um, you know, right-wing media is gonna go haywire about it, and then Nintendo's gonna be like, "Oh fuck, we can't have this because it'll just be a
2: Bowsett amiibo." <laughs> you know,
3: I I, I kind of hope Lil Nas actually gets that idea because. That would be hilarious. Um,
1: I mean, he is pretty like on top of the main meme, meme game. So
3: I mean, that's that's essentially what that shoe was. It was just it was it was a shit post. It was a meme, and it worked. It fucking worked.
1: Ravi, are you a fan of um, Red Letter Media? I know this is like completely off topic.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of mad about it. I mean, there's 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 some, there's some funny stuff but i i wouldn't
1: I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't call myself a fan um okay yeah no that that's fair the reason why i ask is because i know there have been a few points where we have actually compared like some of the work you've done in the snake soup um with some of their items uh one in particular is like you mentioned the article about you know 10 top I think it was like the top 10 things that are stupid about the twin snakes um and it reminds me of the prequel reviews in a sense that I, I, you know, as a kid, I could never really pinpoint. I appreciate, you know, the game for how schlocky it is now, but as a kid, I couldn't pinpoint why it was so off. And then that article kind of helped me mentally break down why it felt so off in the same way that like the prequel reviews kind of helped people break down why watching The Phantom Menace as a kid felt a little off.
3: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, back in the day, we would get compared a lot to uh, the Colbert Report.
1: Huh. Um,
3: just kind of like you see that it was kind of like a a lot of it was satire. A lot of it was just like absurdist. That's all. Honestly, working on this book was kind of good because it was kind of like it was very classic snake soup, um, where it's very sarcastic. It's very just like. Overblown, right? To the point where I I made sure one of the early copies went to somebody who is very vocally in favor of remakes, and he he had a laugh, laugh out of it because that that's the thing about the sake sip where it's like you know you can disagree with us that's fine but you know we're, there's we don't mean any harm I I think we kind of fucked up with Ryan Payton and I I've already apologized to him because we we were kind of a little malicious with him. But other than that, we, we Dude, it wasn't we,
2: just you. The entire fan base was kind of uh yeah, but hostile <laughs> towards him back in the day.
3: I, I still feel bad because when it comes I I thought a lot about it afterwards and I kind of realized what I was actually like targeting really was the media portrayal of Ryan Payne. Because like for example, we 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 used to call him the damn And that was really kind of a ding at Kotaku because Kotaku, how they would describe Ryan Payton, is like, oh, well, you know, you have this, like, you have Hideo Kojima, this fucking crazy guy, and he has crazy ideas, but don't worry, Ryan Payton's there. He's the damn blocking thing. And I'm paraphrasing him, but they really did compare Ryan Payton to a fucking damn. And, like, that (laughs) stuck with us. And that's fine, you know? Like, we could have done that, but I, I think... It kind of got lost where it's like, you know, the press is portraying him in a certain way. Whereas even how he described what he was doing at Kojima Productions was like, yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, they you know, they're asking you if there is a better control scheme. Yeah, that that makes sense. Whereas, you know, an article in whatever, I I don't know, um, so many some so much of the game press has like changed i think polygon was still around so let's say polygon i don't know who was like yeah um the way they were painting it was like this random american dude was like kind of like telling kojima no it has to be this way and it was like that wasn't what was going yeah, on. yeah it's at very
1: all. it's 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 oh god it was, it was kinda, it's kind of it's kind of problematic in a way too because it's almost suggesting that this foreign person has to be reined in, yeah, by like a Westerner.
3: That, exactly. They 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 really pushed on this narrative that was like, oh, well, you know, this Japanese guy has no clue what the Western world wants. And what what was really going on was they hired Ryan Payton, and they were like, hey, like. You know, like, well, what do you think about this? And I'm like, "Oh, well, I think we could be like, you know, it was it was that kind of arrangement, which y- you you need in any creative process. You know, you you don't you don't want a bunch of yes men or yes women to surround you and be like, yeah." I mean, about everything this is amazing.
2: Peyton's even talked about how he sort of fell into that role of of offering them advice on like what a Western perspective would be. It was something they asked him to do because, I guess, during uh, the you know, going off of memory here from what I remember him talking about, but during the portable ops development uh, cycle, he would send notes to the development team and be like, Hey, you know, this is something we noticed when we were play testing it or, Hey, this is an interesting idea. And then uh, that sort of turned into him offering similar advice into MGS four. I mean, like it just, that was something they wanted.
3: Yeah. You know, I, I think it's no secret that I, really don't like Metal Gear Solid 4. Um, but, you know, it's like, the reasons why Tell I don't like more. it... Has, it has nothing to do with Ryan Payton. Um, in fact, I... I, I this, mean, I'm a little lurked
2: was, at him about the whole Circle X thing, but...
3: Yeah. But, I mean, look, even the fucking Sony is taking that approach. Out. I know, I know, I know. Um, and, you know... Believe it or not, that, like, I laughed at that, but I, I, I didn't really, it didn't bother me that much. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm being facetious, so. There was something Peyton worked on directly in Metal Gear Solid 4. I forget what, but I was like, oh, that was actually good. Like, that was one of the good things about that fucking game, so. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, that was somebody I think we, we took things a little too far in um but other than that you know it's it's kind of like we're we don't want we're not here to like just fucking um you know shit on everything it's just kind of like hey like here's our thoughts and if you disagree whatever it's it's a fucking video game series that's what it comes down to we i i always saw the snake soup as a hobby so i never got like too competitive about it i, I remember there was this one guy who'd be like oh yeah well look how many clicks i'm getting on mine. i'm like okay like congrats like good for you dude like I'm happy um whereas for me it's just kind of like yeah it, it doesn't matter I'm not I'm not making money out of this um I, I'm in fact I'm just spending money on it and that's fine I'm just trying to have a good time yeah do I even um, want to ask how much these books cost you you don't have to answer that well let me put it this way um <laughs> <laughs> well one person I gave the book to he's like he like kind of laughed he's like oh you know you're being such a capitalist you know you're like you made a shit post to make money. I'm like, nah, dude, like, let me put it this way. Like, there is no way I can see me, um, breaking even on, it. there's no fucking way. Because like, the only way I would have been able to do that is if I charged, because <laughs> the books are already expensive. I know, I know it is. I, I'm not making much off of each sale. Um, it's like 1999. It's set at that price. Um, so that amazon will make money um i think i get like a dollar or two from each sale or something like that um yeah yeah yeah. and you know the cost of printing it the cost of like submitting it and then let's not ignore the fact that there's a lot of time spent into it as well um yeah i'm I'm not gonna break even that's fine because again the whole the whole thing was just me having fun and you know what i learned i learned how to use indesign because i've never used that motherfucker before.
1: Oh, yeah. My job, I have my job because of the shit posts I've made on metal gear. I'm not gonna front. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it,
3: it, it's funny, you know, I, I work in advertising, um as a copywriter. And you know, my my job isn't what I was doing at the snake soup, but there there are aspects of working at the snake soup that like translate into what I'm doing right now. Um just as an example because I just thought of this. During the pandemic, we had to work remotely and for a lot of people this was new um in advertising when you work as a creative you usually pair up so as a copywriter i would be paired up with an art director and so we had to do this remotely and the funny thing about this was working on the snake soup right it's a fan site you know you don't know that many people near you who are into metal gear so you do shit online. And then if you're working on a project online, what are you doing? You're fucking connecting on aim or whatever i don't I don't know I'm, I'm probably showing my age right now, but nonetheless you you connect through these platforms and make shit right um and so I was already used to remote working in a way. I was like, yeah I was doing this as a fucking kid making dumb shit about a game about some dude who blows up walking tanks. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, It's always been the way I've seen the snake soup, just like a lighthearted, you know, satire site. It's just like, like mad magazine or something like that, you know, or it's just like tongue in cheek.
3: Yeah. We, I got the mad magazine comparison as well. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's kind of like, Hey, this is just a game. Like, we're not taking it seriously. If you're taking it seriously, that's you know, that's your thing. But uh, we're just we're just goofing here.
1: We're just here for a good time.
3: I will say though that you know pe- people do get angry, and sometimes <laughs> sometimes I do kind of like you know poke a little fun at that. Um, just,
0: yeah, it's like getting anger at a at a, like a an onion article or something. Though it's just like most people probably don't know that you're a satire site and just like take it all at face value. It's like, hey, what the fuck? Like, it's like oh, this is exactly it's a joke. You're just not in on it. So. But even
3: even when we respond to that, we're we're, we're still having fun. I mean, one example, yeah. we we took a meme and this is like a classic meme. I think I think it's a shot from Tom and Jerry or something where somebody's cutting a slice out of a cake, right? But they take the whole cake, they don't take the slice. So, you know, the yeah. meme we that I made was like, oh um the you know, Kojima's games, and then uh they take the cake and the slice that's where it remains is Metal Gear Solid 4. And uh <laughs> there, there were, that that pissed off a lot of people. They there was so many on Facebook okay, on Facebook in particular, we got a lot of angry reacts. I think we the most reacts we got in that post were angry reacts. So My response to that was I took the scene um, near the end of Metal Gear Solid 2 where um, uh, Liquid Ocelot is in Ray, and he's, like, firing those whatever the fuck, missiles, I don't know, and Fortune's just, like, standing there, right, like, dodging them (laughs) or causing them to dodge, whatever. And I I changed all the missiles into angry reacts, right? (laughs) That that was it, right? (laughs) Because, you know, that – it's like, hey, like you're angry. We're just like fucking having fun, but hey, we're still having fun, and you know that's that's the approach uh, we tried to take, um, even with this book. It's like, hey, you you want you want um, Blue Point to make remake Metal Gear Solid, whatever. Like I I don't personally, but whatever. It's just a fucking game at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And then once again for the people that. Uh... Don't know. The book is called Why We Should Not Stop at Just Remaking MGS. That author is Sol Ed Cynic, and it's produced by the Snake Soup.
3: Yeah. Um, and if you want the original, which is outdated, it was published in 2019. Um it's why well, you had to remake w- it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was it's called Why We Should Not Stop at Remaking Metal Gear Solid. Um, and that's available on the Snake Soup for free. But uh you won't get the uh modern features that the book has, so you're <laughs> you're you're missing out
1: for once the book has more modern <laughs> features than the internet site. it's
2: illustrated,
0: oh yeah, yeah the, so this illustrations cracked me up man some of those things that are just tucked in there like <laughs>
3: yeah, there's i I feel like there there's a lot of little jokes in there that like you. Somebody reading it might not get it 100%, but they're, they're, they're bound to get at least like 90%. Yeah,
0: worth a, a reread as well, just going through it again. So, oh yeah. Uh, Ravi, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a fun time. Uh, if you want to plug where people can find you online, you can go ahead with that.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can you can find all of my shit if you want to stalk me on uh, RaviCantSing.com. It's R A V I c-a-n-t-s-i-n-g-h and it's true i can't sing i really can't um <laughs> if you want me to do karaoke you're gonna have to buy me many drinks many many drinks if i ever make it out
2: to new york man all this shit <laughs> blows over
3: oh it will it's it's already starting to reopen I, i'm just kind of bummed uh a lot of my favorite hangouts uh are like not there anymore Gone.
0: yeah yep Oh, yeah, and if uh, if people wanted to buy the book,
3: uh where can they pick it up? So all you have to do is just look it up. Um because it, it's available worldwide. Um Jeez. Amazon and Barnes and Noble are like, you know, the the big two here in the United States, but honestly, like I found I found it's I found stores in Japan online, I I found um in Norway. I think I made a joke um to your tweet, uh Nitroid, where you are like, oh, yeah, it's a bit about Barnes & Noble and Amazon. I was like, hedge, you know, hey, in Sweden, <laughs> because there's there's a store in Sweden that sells it. So, yeah, this is an
2: international shit post.
3: Yeah, if you if you look up the book name, if you look up Saul Ed Sinek, um, you're bound to find it. If you have a physical bookstore near you, you can go there and ask for it. They might have to order it. It's print to order, so it might take some time. Um, but
0: we need to get it in some libraries. That's what we need to do. I'm gonna donate (laughs)
3: some copies. Hey, go for it. Um, uh, one thing you know, if 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 we didn't have like this pandemic, I would have actually, uh, because I thought of it, I I would have actually left some. I would have done some, um, what Mitch Hedberg calls reverse shoplifting, where I would have went to like a GameStop and just left some books and the thing. (laughs) You know, they could sell it at whatever. Um, you know, I would have done like how
1: they leave like. Church leaflets are like Herbalife brochures.
3: Yeah, the only difference is the store. You know, it has a UPC code on the back. The store could fucking sell it to you. Like they're they're getting and scan it in. Yeah, it's free money. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, with the way things were right now, it's like yeah, I'm I'm not gonna do that. But you know, libraries. Uh, if somebody else wants to do that, whatever. I don't care. It's all good. She um, want to throw it in the trash, whatever. <laughs> so you could at least recycle. I did it.
0: see somebody do that with it. I've
1: seen a few t- that a few times already. So
0: they want their remake.
2: Hey, well, this is going up on my mantle
1: every Christmas. <laughs> He's gonna read it to his kids in bed.
3: Yeah. Well, by the time your kids are reading it to their kids, hopefully there will be another remake. There. there you go. <laughs>
2: all right man thank you so much for coming on uh and for making this because it's hilarious thank you
0: yeah yeah dude thanks again for the copy we all appreciate (laughs) it definitely take care